Hey, let's start recording. Let's start that over. Now I can get this ready for the audio podcast because I'm dumb. And, yeah, forgot to hit record. So let's try that again. Welcome, everybody, to Joe's Disc Golf Podcast Live. We got a bunch of fun stuff to talk about here, including the PGGA moving forward with Worlds, no matter what. The, uh... Amazing disc golfer Don Shin playing disc golf at 100 years old. 100, that's amazing. I hope to live that long. Forget playing disc golf, I want to live that long. Drew Gibson signs a putter only sponsorship. Paige Pierce and Calvin Heimberg, players of the year, according to Ulti World. And we got some fun stuff about bag tags because why not? And let's not forget, we're going to talk about. The Gladiator, one of the fun discs from Latitude 64. But before I get into that, just got some fun stuff to talk about. Adulting life is so much fun, let me tell you, because you get excited for things like ordering a robot vacuum. Yeah, I, uh, if you saw on Instagram yesterday, uh, no, it wasn't on Instagram. I didn't post that one. Uh, or no, I did. I did. Words are hard, memories are rough. I'm trying to remember everything, but at least I'm excited about something. I'm ready to begin my journey of not having to vacuum by hand anymore. Thank you, Dogecoin, because yeah, that really took off. That was ridiculous. I, um, as a joke, bought a whole bunch of Dogecoin when it was at like, eight tenths of a cent and last i look it's at eight cents so that's pretty huge 10 times the money right there um i have no i am not a financial advisor i'm not telling you to do that i stupidly bought some internet meme coins and all of a sudden everybody's like hey gamestop amc dogecoin yeah let's let's do that Let's let's go on that run because why the hell not? Why not? And why is this not? Unified chat is not very unified. Screw you. Screw you, OBS, right now. All I'm seeing is Twitch chat, which means there's nothing. I had to pull up the page to see YouTube. Disc golf and studios are a state of mind. And at least you think I'm good looking. My wife thinks I'm good looking, I think. She married me. I have a lot of student loan debt. She probably married me for my debt. I'm a tax write-off. What can I say? There we go. Good old coffee. Without it, people will die because I can't function without my coffee. Anyway, so besides buying a robot vacuum, nothing much has changed. Have not been able to get out to disc golf or even really putt that much because my garage is full of cars. Who does that? Who parks their car in a garage? And we've got a bunch of snow and cold. And uh, as I've mentioned in other videos, cold doesn't bother me all that much. I will go out and play in a lot of bad conditions, but we have over a foot of snow. So finding my disc, which if you saw my video from yesterday on YouTube, you can see that you can attach a ribbon, maybe about two feet long, to the underside of the disc with some duct tape or something. And you'll be able to find your disc a lot easier. That is a great idea. However, 
the only problem is, um, I, the cold, um, not for me, but for the discs, uh, a lot of the courses I will play have a lot of trees and I am terrified that if I go out and I, I throw it and I hit a tree pretty close off the tee that the disc will shatter because the plastic does get fragile as it gets colder. So I'm a little worried about that. However, you know, still trying to get out there, still doing some drills in my house, hoping that uh, that'll uh, pay off once it gets a little warmer and a little more melted. So unlike some people, I'd rather not let it snow. Snow is bad. No snow. We don't like the snow. Where did my notes go? There they are. So let's get into our first topic here. The PDGA moves forward with Worlds, no matter what. As you may or may not have known that uh, COVID-19, I think I could say that now on YouTube. I know for a while you couldn't say it. People are getting demonetized. Not that I make money off of YouTube, but, um, you know, people are getting kicked off and videos taken down. I think I could say it. If you got the Rona... If you knew about the Rona, a lot of things were canceled this year. A lot of things were canceled, including the PDGA Worlds for 2020. However, they've been rescheduled for 2021, and the PDGA and tournament director says that they will go forward no matter what, even if there's international travel restrictions, and that's just the way it goes. Um, quoting from their PDGA COVID-19 FAQ page, which I will have a link in the description below afterwards, the PDGA recognizes the importance of ensuring that the premier events, uh, let's try this, uh, do, 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 uh, premier events are accessible to players around the world but in light of the complex and unpredictable status of international travel that is expected throughout 2021 season, we have determined out of respect for significant time and resources invested in the event that hosts and organizers to hold these events as scheduled unless local conditions and public health ordinances prevent us from doing so. So that kind of makes sense. I know that uh, planning a tournament is a lot of work. And on top of that, that's ridiculous. The PDGA, um, like those massive, massive events like that are so crazy. <sighs> they, there's so much that goes into it, so much fundraising that goes into it, so much time, blood, sweat, and tears, probably a lot of tears and sweat, a lot of tears. And even though this is unfortunate and we probably won't see too many European players. Who knows? The travel restrictions change by the day, it seems. Like, I, you know, today I can't go to Europe, but maybe tomorrow I can. Who knows? I Like, nobody in government knows anything, but that's nothing new. And that is across party lines, let's face it. Most politicians are idiots. All politicians are idiots. They're all dumb. Any which who, back to the topic. Who knows what's going to happen? Uh, Worlds isn't until uh, June 22nd through the 26th, and it is being held this year in Ogden, Utah. Tournament director Jade Sewell, S-E-W-E-L-L, -L, 
had this to say. We know this may limit some players from traveling to and from PDGA events held in North America and Europe, but we felt it is important to hold these events in 2021, especially since we could not do so in 2020. It's kind of nice to see that we're trying to get back to some normalcy. Disc golf is one of those fantastic sports where we're absolutely lucky that normal disc golf play long before COVID was basically social distancing. I'm not talking about spectators and crowds watching. I've never played a tournament that actually has spectators because I play, well, when I started out, it was AM3 rec and the Three Rivers Open was not the event it is today. It has grown by leaps and bounds, but still I'm on the amateur side. So the odds of fans being there outside of someone's wife being dragged along that's uh, I wouldn't exactly call that. I don't count those as fans. They're they're being nice and tolerating things. And those husbands are lucky. And my wife doesn't go with because she says it's absolutely boring to watch. And she's not as big into disc golf. And I can understand that. Um, I find ball golf really boring to watch on TV. It's almost like watching Bob Ross. It'll it'll put me out. It is Valium. It's great. It's fantastic. But um, watching it and playing it are two very different things. Any which you, um, yeah, so disc golfers have been social distancing since uh, the sport was founded. That's just kind of how we go, especially if you're really bad, like me and my friends. Uh, Jade said that he is optimistic that international players will be able to join. He thinks that things will be fine by June. Honestly, who knows? Your guess is as good as mine. Um, things like this change all the time so yeah i i don't i don't know i don't know the biden administration recently re-established the travel bans to shenzhen uh, the uk and ireland uh there's no work or uh travel exceptions at this time so no matter what you can't just go there it is what it is um, I know President Trump had put those in and then they kind of lapsed when he left office. And then a week or so after Biden was sworn in, they went back into effect. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know, man. I don't, I don't like it. It's weird. I just want some kind of consistency or something to strive for in the future with this. But we won't get answers. It it. That's just the way it rolls. We haven't really gotten any consistent answers, and I don't feel like we will. That's just the way it goes, though. This is an unknown time that we are currently living in. The U.S. Women's World or uh, U.S. Women's Disc Golf Championship is still planned for May twenty-first through the twenty-third. This will be held in Northern California. Now, this is just a national—I say just—but this is a national championship. So you wouldn't necessarily get as many international players as, say, the Women's World Championship. But, you know, they're still going forward with it. It's being held in Northern California, which California has some of the strictest lockdowns in the country. Fortunately, it's in Northern California, not around San Francisco, which I believe has, if you watched last week, um, they have, San Francisco has the strictest lockdowns in the country period so that's absolutely insane because the san francisco open was just moved 
uh, about an hour north. I can't remember the name of the town, but it is now the... Not Infinite Discs Open. It is the... God, you guys are probably screaming at your TV or screaming at your car radio because you know what this is. OTB Open. That's what it is. Um, professional sports in California are allowed with modifications and no live audiences under the current um, county restrictions. So things could change by May. We don't know. It is still early in February. So again, things in California could change. They could go better. They could go worse. They could stay the same. Those are kind of like your options in life. Anything can change at any time, and it could be good, bad, or indifferent. Say la vie. La vie. But uh, it's nice to see that they're able to go and still play. It'll be a lot like uh, the coverage that you saw this past year, where it was weird that there were no crowds watching any of the pros play. They were masked up, and they were social distancing again. In disc golf, not that hard when you're playing with a foursome and caddies aren't allowed. It's real easy to stay far away from each other. I've never had that issue playing any tournament, period, uh, long before COVID hit. So, again, not too bad. There is a bit of a workaround, though. If you are a European player, European pro, trying to get into the U.S. to play this, it's very simple. I say simple, but it's not. It's very easy. All you have to do is wait and travel to a non-banned country from the U.S., say Canada. Wait there for 14 days. Just hang out, chillax, have fun in a hotel room as you quarantine mandatorily. Then you can travel to the U.S. It's expensive, difficult, and kind of stupid. But if you really want to do it, go for it. I mean, that's about all you can do. Otherwise... As it stands right now, yeah, not so much. So all you European players making those millions in disc golf. I don't think anyone really makes millions in disc golf. Eh, maybe Paul Macbeth or Brody. Brody Smith probably does. Who knows? But that has nothing to do with him being good at disc golf. Although he is, don't get me wrong, he's he's really good. Uh, but he has a quite a cult following from his ridiculous YouTube videos back in the day when he played Ultimate Frisbee, and his recent retirement was sad for Ultimate Frisbee. However, you know, good for him. Like, it's really cool to see all these different pros getting on social media and YouTube, Instagram, whatever, making all these great videos and just bringing more awareness to the sport. Because let's face it, we all love disc golf, but it's not, it's not baseball. It's not football. It's not even golf. More people will play. It is a fantastically growing sport. I think in, um, what was it, last week, I, I had, we had the story where Finland has seen a 23% growth in PDGA membership last year, which is absolutely insane. So that's 23% of people who decide that, hey, I want to pay 50 US dollar equivalent. I don't know what their currency is. Are they on the euro or not? Anyway, 50 US dollar equivalent to become a PDGA member. Now, a lot of people don't find value in that. I find value in that. I play enough tournaments where that $10 off per tournament makes a big difference. However, 
you also get other benefits from being on the PDGA. You get the UDISC app um, pro version for free, and so you don't have to pay for that. And the PDGA is also benefiting or benefits the players by offering discounts on hotels, by just bringing awareness to the sport and everything. There was an article I read about the PDGA giving out grants to schools to help teach uh, disc golf in gym class, which I think is pretty cool. A lot of places are struggling right now with how uh, the Rona has affected everybody. And any grant, any help with that is is a good idea. I think that's about all I've got to say on that topic. That was that was a good one. Good job, me. Pat on the back. Yeah. Now we move on to a fantastic story about Don Shin, S-H-I-N-N, the 100-year-old disc golfer. If you read the PDGA's quarterly magazine, you will have seen this back in the fall edition, I want to say. Don is amazing. He played, he plays every single day. He started out, he came to the U.S. He used to live in the Chicago area back in the 60s and 70s, and he was a judo instructor. Very fit dude from early on. He uh, had some back issues, if I remember correctly, so he had to give up teaching judo, moved out to Northern California. I'm not sure what he did after that, but he was out there hanging out, him and his wife, who is apparently a very talented seamstress. I'm not sure if she is still with us or if she passed away. Either way, Don didn't discover disc golf until he was 90. 90 years old. So he's been playing for about 10 years, which is about as long as I've been playing. But the difference between me and Don, besides about 70 years, is he only uses a 150-gram Mamba. It's the first disc he got. That's all he uses. You want a distance drive? Mamba. 100-foot approach shot? Mamba. 30-foot putt? Mamba. Need to flex it around that tree? Mamba. Simple. He doesn't need to think all that much about what disc he's going to pick. And you know what he does when he has a bad shot? He just says, oh no, and moves on. I think we can learn a lot from Don in that respect. How often do we throw a bad shot and sit and sulk and moan and groan and just be salty about, I threw a bad shot. I can't believe I threw that shot. Even if it turns out to be okay, well, I didn't hit my line. I mumble, grumble, grumble, mumble. I've done that. I do it. You do it. We all do it. It's what happens. But Don, he just lives in the moment. And, you know, there's some wisdom in that hundred years of life where he just is like, yeah, well, excrement happens and just moves on. He'll play 36 or 54 holes, depending on if he has time in the day. That's ridiculous. How, how much does your arm hurt after you've done a two-day tournament? where you've played 36 holes one day, 18 the next, or maybe even another 36. So he'll play three rounds a day. How tired does your arm get? How tired do you get? Because lugging that bag around is heavy, and this is where Don has an advantage over all of us. He just carries a disc. He wears his normal clothes, which we all wear clothes. You better wear clothes playing disc golf. That'd be weird. 
Getting poison ivy in some awkward places would not be fun. So he has no extra weight he's carrying around. He's carrying around an extra 150 grams, which, let's face it, he's kind of carrying around because he throws it. He just goes up to the tea pad and chucks it. Forehand, backhand, I don't, I'm not sure what he throws. They weren't specific in the article. It's just ridiculous. He just, he goes out there. For his birthday, they held a COVID safe party with the local disc golf club. And uh, he officially holds the longest throw for men over 100 years old. This is through the World Flying Disc Federation. Woof-doof. Doesn't really roll off the tongue. Crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. He apparently just crushed it. I could not find the exact distance that he throws, but let's be real here. He's 100 years old and throwing it and playing and having fun. Who cares? We could all take a lesson from Don. Just go out, have fun, throw a bad shot, whatever. Deal with it and move on. It's what happens. That's how it goes. It's disc golf. That's life. I want to be more like Don. He has a steady routine. He plays every day. I, I, one of the benefits, he's retired. So he has the ability to play every day. I don't have the ability to play every day because I'm not making any money from disc golf or from anything disc golf related. Shameless plug, go ahead and subscribe on Anchor. If you feel so inclined, you can donate. Dollar, $5, $10, those are all. I do it through Anchor because Patreon offers a few more things-ish, but they also charge a lot more. So for any of you other budding podcasters like myself, uh, Patreon's good, but uh, Anchor, if you already have the account with them, they charge a lot less. So back back to this, back to what we were talking about. So he plays every single day. He has healthy nutrition. He eats his fruits and, fruits and veggies. He has small meals throughout the day. He doesn't do just big meals. He just kind of snacks and does that all day. He does strength training too. He's 100 years old and does strength training. He does 15 to 25 push-ups every morning and every night and it varies depending on how he's feeling if he's having a good day he'll do 25 if he's having a bad day no 15 or anywhere in between how many of us can say we can do 25 push-ups every morning and every night i can't i mean i probably should it doesn't hurt clearly he's 100 years old i think we could learn a few things from him he also has no no vices he doesn't smoke. He's never smoked. He's also never drank, which a lot of you disc golfers drink it during tournaments. So, yeah, there's that. It happens. Whatever. I don't care. As long as your drinking doesn't get in the way of my game, go for it. Technically not allowed by the PDGA, but I don't care. I mean, I'm playing C tiers. No one really cares. We're out there to have a good time. Work on our ratings. Just have some fun. It is what it is. But, uh, yeah. That's crazy, though. 100 years old. What will I be like in 70 years? Hopefully, I'll be at least uh, on top of the ground and not six feet under it. Unless, you know, nuclear apocalypse and we'll all be living underground. I don't know. With the way things are going between 2020, it was bad. 2021 is certainly different. I won't say the jury's still out if it's better or worse 2022 oh god who knows this 
little too depressing. Let's uh, let's move on to a happier topic here. So, we've got Drew Gibson signs a putter-only sponsorship. Now, this is the first of its kind. His deal is with the new company, EV7. They have one disc coming out soon. It is their putter, the Penrose. This deal runs through 2023. What is guaranteed to him is an undisclosed salary that will grow 30% year over year. That is pretty crazy. I wish I could guarantee my salary to grow 30% every year, no matter what. That would be fantastic. He also receives a small royalty on every Penrose or every disc, sorry, produced by EV7. So who knows? Um, how many that will be over the three years. They started out simple. They started out small. The founder, uh, where is his name? Phil Arthur, was a co-founder of Prodigy Discs and left the company in 2020, founded EV7. He wanted to kind of reshape how things are done at the putter level. He wants to change how everything is done. He said that most strokes are lost with your putting approach, and I agree. My drives are usually pretty good. I mean, we've all had those bad ones. And there's so many fail compilations on there where pros, ams, everyone just has some moments where you wish that you, you wish you could take it back. You're like, yeah, I just I want that one back. You, It's one of those where you just, you let it go and you're like, no, come back, come back, come back. No, I want to redo Mulligan. I wish Mulligans were a thing. They're not. So this does not change his uh, Drew Gibson's contract with Infinite Discs. He can still throw a mixed bag. It's not a big deal. Infinite Discs will be selling. I think they'll be the main seller of the Penrose. Um, Gibson had this to say about the disc. The putter is weighted differently than a normal putter. It's a masterpiece. It's a design different than your standard putter. You can feel the difference right away when you pick it up. He says it fits perfectly between his Discmania P2 and Discraft Challenger. I've heard a lot of good things about the P2. I know Kevin Jones has really popularized the P2. I'm more of a dynamic disc judge kind of guy, although I am curious to see what the new Emac judge will do, which will be out. I think it's supposed to be included in the player packs for the dynamic disc open, formerly the Glassblown open. But hey, you know, I'll get my hands on one eventually. I did pre-order the Penrose. So hopefully, fingers crossed, that will come. They're supposed to ship all on March 1st, and I should have it by the 7th-ish, but my order was number 1,330. And uh, yeah, I think um, I think it might be a little while. You can go to the EV, uh, EV7 um, page and order it. It is $13.99 plus shipping and tax. Fortunately, because of not living in the same state as them, I don't have to worry about tax, but I did have to pay almost five bucks in shipping. But $18 for a brand new disc, that is a pretty good deal. That's about what I'd pay anyway. Uh, my local disc golf shop, depending on what kind of disc you're buying, what quality of plastic, if you're buying like um, your very base plastic, those are generally cheaper. They don't last as long. If you're buying the more premium plastic, those are a little more expensive. And if you're buying a tour series disc, someone that uh, something that goes straight to a player, 
those are charged even more. Like base plastics, I think, are usually around 15, 16 bucks plus tax. The uh, some of them are like 13, 14. Uh, your regular good plastic, your durable plastic, your uh, star plastic, your lucid plastic, your optos, those go right around, I want to say, 17, 18 bucks plus tax. Your tour series discs are about 23, 24 bucks plus tax. So, 18 bucks, not a bad deal. I got the OG Soft. I I like the softer putters, so we'll see what happens. Um, I, I can't wait to get this disc in my hands. Enunciation is key. Disc, D-I-S-C, and it should be a lot of fun. So, um, the story about how this contract actually developed was pretty interesting. Um, Phil reached out to Drew to say, hey, you know, got this new disc, trying it out. I want you to throw it, see what you think. And it wasn't very long after that where a contract kind of came together because he loved it so much. And he's now promoting the disc. It'll be his signature disc. And EV7 is open to developing and manufacturing discs for other brands, much like, I believe, Prodigy, uh, Latitude 64, Discmania do. Um... Latitude 64 for sure. They make West Side and Dynamic Discs. So, boom. Boom goes the dynamite. That's what happens. I think that's pretty cool. I can't wait to see um, if there are going to be more players with mixed bags. I know the, the popular thing right now, obviously, everybody except Drew Gibson is sponsored by one major disc company, whether that's Dynamic Discs. Prodigy, Infinite, uh, not Infinite, Infinite is a seller, reseller, retail place, um, Discraft, Discmania, Innova, those all sell, obviously they're one brand, I'd be curious to see, like, seeing Ezra throw a mixed bag, obviously leaning towards Discraft, which who signed him, I think it'd be cool to see, like, hey, you know, maybe if he liked the, let's say he threw, he loved the nuke, and so he got a distant driver deal where he throws the nuke on drives. I don't know how that would work exactly because you've got so many different things with that. I think a putter obviously is a much easier sponsorship because your putter's your putter. Now your upshots, I think there's a carve out there in his his uh, uh, contract where his upshots don't count for using that obviously you want to use the best disc for that job so i'll be i'll just be curious to see if there are more sponsorships like hey you know we see again ezra like the nuke we're gonna pay you x dollars to have the nuke and we want you to pull it out once and just kind of show it off at least have it in your bag make sure it's always in your bag kind of thing i think that'd be pretty cool i know like the anybody who's sponsored by Dynamic Disc, Westside Disc, or Latitude 64, you guys can they can all throw any one of those three companies because they're all made by the same manufacturer, Latitude 64. So that's kind of cool. So if you really liked some disc that Westside Disc made, um, or you're Westside sponsored, but you like the judge, boom, you can throw the judge. It's not a big deal. I'll just be curious to see how this turns out. How far are we gonna go? We're going to go, all right, now you got a bag sponsor. Grip6 is sponsoring someone to get a bag, which, hey, you know, whatever. Bags are your bags. Or, uh, um, I don't know, you're being sponsored to have a, a whale sack. One of those to keep your hands dry. Who knows? 
Now on to the big story here. We've got Paige Pierce and Calvin Heinberg are the players of the year according to Ulti World Disc Golf. Which, let's be real here. Uh, Paige Pierce was definitely, definitely going to be Women's Player of the Year. She absolutely dominated. It was absolutely crazy. I believe it was Friday I had in my Daily Digest that uh, she was just ridiculously dominant. Her rating went up 10 points this year. Crazy. She won eight tournaments out of the 14 she played in. I want to win one. That'd be great. She won eight pro series, pro tour, pro events. She absolutely dominated. She was, um, uh, she did battle. Um, her and Kaylee, Haley King, words are hard. The DGPT Championship, they uh, went to a playoff. So I'm not saying that Haley isn't fantastic, but the domination of Paige this year was insane. She was second in her fairway hits and hitting the fairway 73% of the time. She parked it 15% of the time. She was circle one in regulation 44% of the time. That's just insane. Her putting statistics were great, too. She had a 42% chance of birdieing. 42% chance of getting birdies. I just, I, I like, she's so good. She was so good. She had 16 rounds of 1,000 rating or better in this last calendar year. 1,000. That's insane. <sighs> I just, I wish, like... It's, it was just, it was obviously very clear that Paige Pierce was going to be Women's Player of the Year. What wasn't so clear was the men's side. That had significantly more competition, but we can give a round of applause to Calvin Heimberg. Yeah, Calvin Heimberg did a fantastic job. Now, the choices here were a lot harder. As outlined in the article here on Ulti World Disc Golf, uh, links will be in the description below if you want to read that. It basically came down to Chris Dickerson, Calvin Heimberg, Kevin Jones, Eagle McMahon, and Paul Macbeth. I mean, that right there sounds like every single lead card that I watched this year. Any one of those guys, like all those guys, basically, you just rotate. They're always, 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 always up there. Now, here's... Now, you, you tell me, who which player is this? 14 total events, two Disc Golf Pro Tour wins, and four Disc Golf Pro Tour podiums. One major podium, six finishes outside the top five, second in Disc Golf Pro Tour points, 10-point year-over-year rating increase, $34,000 earnings. Player B. 14 total events, 2 DGPT wins, 5 DGPT podiums, no major podiums, 1 finish outside the top 5, 1 DGPT tour, or first in Pro Tour points, 8 point year-over-year -year rating decrease, sorry, and 32,000, almost 33,000 in winnings. Tell me that's not, who, like, 
obviously Kevin Jones, Calvin Heinberg. But holy crap, that was insane. Just how tight it was. That's fantastic. Like, I love to see all this competition here. He had 77% hits on his fairway, and that put him fourth. Fourth. Hitting the fairway over three quarters of the time, and you're fourth. Best for parked, best for circle regulation, 53%. Like, he's really good, don't get me wrong. But hitting the fairway that often, and that still only puts you at fourth? Insane. I just, I can't believe it. But, hey, you know, that is what it is. That's why he's pro, and I'm just your average Joe. Yeah, I made one of those jokes. I'm just your average Joe, but I'm more than just average. I'm below average. Not really. I don't I don't know where I was going with that. Sometimes I just start talking and I don't know where the sentence is going to end. It's usually a surprise to you. It's a surprise to me. The words just come out of my mouth. Finally, our final topic, bag tags, another PDGA uh, news article here. I I really love bag tags. I don't know what you guys think of bag tags. Actually, you know, sound off in the comments below or hit me up on any one of the social medias on Facebook or Twitter at Joe's Disc Golf on Instagram as well. I really like it. I like having that competition in the club. Every year our club does it. I've managed the last, uh, I didn't play 2019, but 2017 and 18, I finished in the top 40 of our club, finished in the top 30 of our club this year. So even better, slowly moving up. I've kind of hit that point of like, I could probably inch up a little more, but I start running into the local pros. Whoop, accidentally hit something there. Uh, I start running into the pros. We've had some really good pros. We have some really, really good pros in the club. They're not touring anymore. They are play MP40 now, but they were sponsored touring pros in the early 2000s. So, yeah, they weren't, uh, they weren't as name recognizable as some of the other players out there, but the fact that they were still getting paid to play disc golf and tour was insane. Uh, so that was actually pretty cool. Uh, trying to beat those guys is really hard. I'm working hard. I'm trying to. Iron sharpens iron. I'm always trying to play against people who are better. The one guy in our club who is usually ranked number one, if not top five, because he does. There are some other good people in the club. I always like going out with him because I'm always learning something. I'm very excited to go out and see when I've made some improvements. Something like I go out and playing a bag tag round against him. I'm probably not going to win. I know I'm not going to win. But when I started back this past August, I finished like 25 strokes behind him on a 19-hole course. Yes, we have a 19-hole course. It doesn't make sense. It's a fantastic course. I love it. Championship level. We're trying to get, we have an A tier there that's at the Three Rivers Open, Tillman Park. So hopefully, coming soon to you, will be a pro tour stop in the next couple years. You never know. But I digress. Hopefully, we will, uh, as I go forward there, at, and this last round that I played with him uh, was a little while ago, I was only about uh, nine, ten strokes off, which was 
fantastic. That's a huge improvement. This is from like August to November or something like that. So I know that I'm getting better. It's fun to see those improvements. And I honestly think uh, playing against bag tags. Unfortunately, I was a little late to sign up for bag tags. And I started out with like the 190s. I, our club only goes up to 200 for bag tags. But I started with the 190s and managed to get to the 130s. But I was always out there trying to play bag tags, trying to have some fun. I like going out. I like having casual rounds. But the competition forces me to think about my shots more let's let's face it we all go out and have a casual round we say we're going to take it seriously but when we go and play by ourselves eh, I'll mulligan eh, whatever that wasn't that bad of a shot eh, I'll just kind of throw it like this playing for bag tags I got someone with me keeping me honest because you know you can't have those moments where you just slough off you just gotta keep going and you keep playing and you just have fun and at a hard-fought battle, worked my way up. Unfortunately, every year they have a New Year's Eve event, and I think this is something that a lot of clubs do, and if they don't, they should really implement this. End-of-the-year event where everybody who is there can just go ahead and you put your tags in, and it's the final event. Everybody just keeps going. You just, here you go. It's everybody, it's all all one big pot and where it ends it ends who knows you could move up some spots you could move down some spots anything can happen because that's just the way disc golf goes now one last fun item here my little review of the dynamic disc nope sorry latitude 64 gladiator the one i have here was from the uh next gen disc golf this was 2000, ah, it doesn't say on here, 2018, 2017. This is when the Gladiator first came out and I liked it. I, um, I immediately, when I started out, I was playing a lot of, with a lot of Innova. Like we all start out because Innova does a fantastic job of marketing, getting into Walmart, Dick's Sporting Goods, everywhere like that. Not everybody knows to go to a disc golf pro shop or that, say here in town uh, pb sports does a fantastic job but they are mainly a paintball store you wouldn't have thought to go in there until they had discs for like a month or two and then they put a sign out an anova sign i was like hey let's see what they have there there we go i got that and so i went in there and found a whole bunch of discs for reasonable prices really good prices i would check them out they are at uh, i want to say pbsports.com I'm not sponsored, not anything. I just think they do a really good job. Uh, anyway, who going back to the Gladiator, this one felt a lot like my boss. It felt like I was throwing the boss, and it felt great in my hand. Um, my one complaint with the gold line, so this is the gold line, um, it felt flimsy. It felt like on my forehand, I have a decent grip on that. I feel like I'm going to push my thumb straight through. So that's my one complaint about the gold line plastic. That's kind of your, um, I don't want to say base plastic, but it's your it's your lower end plastic. Their optoplastic, which is their premium plastic. I have one and I absolutely love the Gladiator. It will, on a forehand, for me, it'll fly nice and straight and then have a nice dump at the end. It'll just, it'll have a big skip. It'll have a nice big flare skip. I'm working on a video that compares the Gladiator to the Cutlass. Spoiler alert, they're very close. 
it was actually really it's actually really hard to tell uh it is a speed i want to say 13 glide four turn zero fade three or four i can't remember the numbers off the top of my head and they are clearly not printed on this disc but that is a really cool stamp i really like the stamp this is also where the anchor came out and in my opinion the anchor is very close to the emac truth so close that i took it out of my bag because the overlap was i couldn't think of a specific shot where the i'd want the anchor over the emac truth I think there's once or twice maybe, and that had more to do with the color of the disc and finding it because of the woods I was playing in. Anyway, Chu, Gladiator, great boss replacement. If you're looking to get into Latitude 64 or any of the trilogy family, I would highly recommend looking at that. It is solid plastic. It is solid disc. I really enjoy how straight I can get it. I can flex it out. No problem. I know that if I release it on like a 30 degree angle, it's going to cut hard left, and then it's going to dump back right on my forehand. I've thrown this in the wind plenty of times. I actually had to throw it, because the wind was so strong, I threw it well out of bounds on a 45-degree angle, and it came all the way back and floated down, and I was about 15 feet out from the basket. Um, I had a lot of people who were very surprised that my forehand would throw, go that far. Uh, it was like a 380 foot hole or something like that. And it was a beautiful shot. I felt very confident, even in the wind, that this disc was going to come back. It is not, it is a pretty solid meat hook. It is not the most beefy disc that I've ever had. That honor goes to the disc craft, disc, disc craft flick. That is by far, that is a beefy disc. I do want to try out the tilt. I want to see how that goes. You never know. I do want to give a bit of a channel update. Um, if you've noticed, I've had quite a few shorts up. Uh, those are those videos that are less than a minute. That's kind of what I've been focusing on because I can definitely get those out. That video that came out um, yesterday, Monday, where I had the different things, um, different ways you can find your disc in the snow with the ribbon. It took me, that one minute video took me oh, about 15 minutes to get six minutes worth of film. And then it took me about an hour to edit. So we're looking at hour 15 plus render time, but I just hit boop, go, and then I come back 15, 20 minutes later. On a minute video, it doesn't, doesn't take that long, but let's say hour and a half to make one of those videos. I still have to go to work and do other things, and be a good husband, and whatnot. So, I've been focusing more on the shorts. The Battle of the Beef series has kind of fallen off a bit. I'm working on, um, I shot some video before the snow came out uh, that I'm happy with. I've also kind of upgraded my software and what I'm doing with that, and I'm able to add in some follow the flight stuff like Jomez. Not nearly as good as Jomez at all. One, their cameras are better. Two, they have two cameras. I have just one stationary camera behind me. So I'm working on that. I'm working on figuring out how to get overlays to compare the two discs and their flight pattern. And that's actually working out pretty well. The catch is that my time spent to edit one of those videos went from two or three hours to like eight. And that's not including rendering time or anything like that. So 
kind of focusing on that. Um, those will be kind of sporadic. I will try to get clips up also from this podcast. That seemed to go off pretty well. I had a lot of people interested in my Simon Lazat injury hot take, which hopefully after this is over, I will be able to put in a card on this side where you can go find that video and check it out. Um, you can see all my thoughts there. I'm not going to go back into that. But I think this is a good place to end the stream. I want to thank you all for watching. Don't forget to follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Joe's Disc Golf, Facebook at Joe's Disc Golf, Twitter, or Twitch, sorry, the other twi one, Twitch, also Joe's Disc Golf, and YouTube at Joe's Disc Golf. On any one of those sites, you can find me. I'm pretty active on Instagram. Like I said, I shoot for at least one video a, a day for YouTube. I try to do a little more. Um, the problem is then the algorithm gets confused and overall my views go down. So I kind of stick to the one a day rule. Saturdays and Sundays, usually not having anything coming out. Then oh, Sorry. Sorry, guys. Hopefully that doesn't hurt me too much. I don't know. Any which you, widely available on all forms of communication. I'm also on podcasting sites, all of them it seems like. Recently got on Stitcher and Deezer. I'm also on Apple and Spotify and Google Play. And just search Joe's Disc Golf Podcast and I'm sure it'll come up. Anchor.fm if you want to leave a voice message. Hear it on stream, you can find it there. Uh, you will have to create an account to be able to leave me a voice message. Only keep things appropriate. I appreciate that. Thank you all for watching. Hope you all have a great week, and I can't wait to see you all later. Have a great day, everyone.